The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Life can sound a lot like a four-letter word, not just because it's made up of four letters, but because it actually sounds and sometimes can even feel like a four-letter word because many of us are alive but not really living, fighting to survive, but not really thrive. And so maybe you can relate to the lyrics of a really popular song that came out recently, but but there's a reason why this song is so incredibly popular. It's called Come Alive from The Greatest Showman. The uh, opening lyrics of the song are this, you stumble through your days, got your head hung low, your sky's a shade of gray. Like a zombie in a maze, you're asleep inside, but you can shake awake, because you're just a dead man walking, thinking, That's your only option. And so many of us, we can relate. We're dead men walking, just navigating through a maze. And here's the thing, right? We allow busyness, right? Our busy schedules to keep us navigating through the maze. And then we lean into our passions and our pleasures to keep us comfortably numb through our days. We, We use comfort and we numb ourselves with our own hopes, our own dreams, our own desires. And often we can lean into a philosophy of life that is just simply survive comfortably and be happy until we die. In fact, I fear that many of us have taken on kind of a life motto, be happy until I die. That my whole goal of life is to survive comfortably until I get to the end. And as a result, I fear that we are missing out on what is most valuable about life and messing up what is most important in life. And where is, where is that voice in our life? I'm talking like the Paul Revere riding to Concord in the middle of the night, screaming at the top of his lungs, shouting, the, the British are coming, the British are coming. I mean, where are the midnight riders in our lives, in our generation. And, and then let me ask you this question. If, if we were awakened or if we were brought fully alive, what would be worth living for? But this, this message is not just for you to become truly alive, but to become the clarion call for others to wake up. And if you were to call out to others to become truly alive, and you were to help them get out of the maze, what would you get them out of the maze for? Meaning, what would you introduce them to? And if you were yelling in the night like a midnight rider, what what would you say? What would be heard? What would be worth hearing? What would be worth shouting in order to invite people to truly come alive? I'm gonna bring you to an ancient time. To, to a story set in uh, around 570 BC. A nation had been devastated. Their capital had been destroyed and the place where they went to worship the temple had been toppled and you had people living in utter ruins. The Babylonian empire had risen to power and marched against Judah, 
the remaining portion of the nation of Israel and totally decimated it. And they took people off into exile. So they brought them into Babylon where people were just living, surviving, just trying to get through the day. And they could totally relate to these lyrics that they had access to them in that ancient time. They would have agreed with these lines. Yeah, we're just a bunch of dead men walking. Just zombies in a maze, just trying to get through our days. And all they could see was the tragedy in front of them. And then some of them would just close their eyes and pretend like it wasn't real. And maybe you find yourself in a similar spot. Maybe you're living in denial. You're just pretending that life isn't really as dramatic and as bad as it feels. Or you're living in despair because all you can see is what's immediately in front of you. But Ezekiel, uh, this spokesperson of God, what he saw was something totally different. He saw the tragedy. He saw the mess they were in. And then he saw God. And God gave him a rare glimpse to see what he was doing. And so there's this moment that as Ezekiel was writing out these dreams and the message that God had put in his heart to share with his, the people of Judah, he has this moment where God brings him out into a valley, probably where a great battle was fought. And this, this moment becomes a metaphor for the nation of Judah and for us. And so let's jump in and read it. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 37, where he says, the hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. As I said, probably where a great battle had been fought. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry, meaning these bodies had been dead a very long time, maybe, maybe 25, 30 years. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now I like this because if God asks you a question, very rarely when he asks you a question does it demand an answer. Usually God's answer is in his question. And so if he says, can these bones live? He intends to do something about his question. And I've, by the way, that's just a little freebie uh, for those of you. If, if you ever have a moment when you're in prayer and uh, it seems like God is prompting your spirit with a question, the answer is probably in the question. And so don't argue with God and don't be so quick to answer him back in a way that makes you comfortable. Just say, God, you know, I trust you. So what's going on here? God brings him out to a real valley where there are real bones scattered. So probably what happened was this was the, uh, Jude, the army of Judah that marched against Babylon to protect their nation from getting wiped out, only they lost. So they, are, they were defeated in battle, probably tens of thousands of soldiers, and, and then they died in battle, and now they're dried up. This is a really bad place to be. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe in your life you have felt defeated. And you felt like some dreams, some hopes, some relationships have died in your life. And then the worst part is this idea of drying up, where there's literally nothing left. And uh, in this context, so let me just kind of keep you in the ancient time. In ancient times, they would bury bodies twice. Now I want to get too technical, but let's just kind of do a quick uh, survey of it. What they would do in, in ancient Israel is when someone died, they would put their body in a family tomb. All right, so if you, if you remember like Jesus, when he got buried, they, they, they put him in a tomb. Uh, actually, his, he used a borrowed tomb, which I love that idea. Uh, I like that God borrowed the tomb. 
Uh, but they put Jesus in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. He was a wealthy man. And so he had a tomb and all of his family members would have been buried in there. And then what they would do is after a considerable amount of time, they would go in and they would take the bones out of the tomb and they would put them in what's called an ossuary. Kind of like a coffin, except it would be big enough to hold the bones of the entire family. And in ancient times, right, you get this really big family. And the idea, I know that sounds creepy. It's all right, you can all, you can all just say it. You're like, this is weird. Um, all right, but the, the, the idea behind it was this. Uh, the whole family wanted to be together waiting for the resurrection. So they believed that God is going to come and he's going to raise the dead. And so they all wanted to be together so they would be resurrected together. And, and so this situation is kind of like a giant ossuary. This entire army just buried in the open valley together. And God comes and he looks at this situation. These are bodies that have been dead for, you know, probably a very long time, 25, 30 years. And so the only thing left is just dry bones. And the idea behind dry bones was that there wasn't like flesh on it. There wasn't cartilage on it. There was nothing on it. I mean, this, there's, there's no life in these bones. I mean, you can't take a little cell and then bring it back to life. You're not going to clone this. These things have no life left in them. And so then this is what God responds to Ezekiel. He says this, he said to me, prophesy. The word prophesy is this idea of speaking what God speaks. It's foretelling. It's speaking on behalf of God. And so he says, speak to these bones and say to them, dry bones, Hear the word of the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. Maybe some of you hunters can relate to this. If you've ever taken bone, you know, antlers and you kind of rattle them together to get the attention of some big buck. But these bones began to rattle together and, uh, and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and tendons and flesh. I mean, this is something weird, like out of a sci-fi movie. It's like one of these zombie apocalypse movies. And uh, the tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. There was no breath in them. And uh, here's the moment. God tells Ezekiel to speak his word over this valley of dry bones so that they would come into form. They would, re, they would reform into bodies. And uh, maybe in public speaking class, maybe you had to take a class in college where you had to speak to your, your classmates and they looked like this group. They were like, they were bodies, but there was no life in them. And I never feel like this at Lifehouse. I so love you and those of you that join us, even those of you that join us online, I mean, you're alive and I appreciate that. I mean, even those of you online, at least you'll, at least you'll put like clapping emojis and like, you know, excitement emojis. And I feel like in every one of our campuses, even those of you that I don't get to speak to in person, by the way, I know that some of you, you like it when I'm there live. I always crack a joke and I always say like, anytime I'm live, you get the spitting mini me version. But when I'm on video, you get the really tall, big version of me. But even on video, I know that you are totally engaged. I mean, you're like fully present, you're watching. I mean, you're with me right now. But Ezekiel, man, he had to like preach to your public speaking class. I mean, these people were just staring, I mean, just bodies staring. Just no life in them. And there's a principle here. And that is that at times, God is raising up people to take on the voice of Ezekiel, to look around at their culture and their classmates and their coworkers and their colleagues and their neighbors and their homes 
and begin to see them like dry bones. And God wants to put his word in our mouths so that he prompts our hearts and says, can your city streets come alive? Can Hagerstown and Chambersburg, can, our, can Washington County, the state of Maryland, can the United States, wherever you're watching from, can your neighborhood, can these dry bones live? Can my marriage live? Can my kids live? Something in us needs to rise up. And the principle is this. This is what transcends time where it jumps ahead 2,500 years. It's this idea that we are called to be the voice of God, to share life. Not to hoard life, not to pretend that we have life, not to be alive but not living. We are called to share life. You are responsible to share life. And so why is it that we are just dead men walking, like zombies in a maze, just going, stumbling through our days? Well, here's the thing. We are very much like this great army, defeated, dead, dried up. Why? Because like this army, we've been defeated by an enemy. There's an enemy that lives inside of every one of us, but it's not a physical enemy that you can fight. It's not even an enemy in your mind that you could just play mind tricks with. It's not an enemy in your emotions. It's an enemy in your spirit. And you and I were born defeated in battle. This, this spiritual battle uh, that lives inside of us is called sin. It's what biblical authors and even Jesus referred to as the enemy in our spirit that sabotages us, defeats us, kills us, meaning leaves us dead, and then it dries us up so there's no life left in us. What I mean by no life is there's no life-giving element in our finances. Even our, whatever we spend money on, it just perpetuates a life of dead men walking. There's no life-giving element in our relationships. We're just going through the motions, maybe even hurting the people we love the most. There's nothing life-giving in the way we speak or the way we love others. There's nothing life-giving in our spirit. We're dead men walking. And the sin that lives inside of every one of us, the worst part is not just that it, um, it causes us to be defeated and dead and dried up. It's that it separates us from relationship with God. So we're headed toward a forever defeat, forever eternal judgment, separated from God and all that is good and his life forever. But God was unwilling to leave us like this. And so similar to what he did through Ezekiel, God shows up and he, he speaks. And what Jesus did, what he's, he did more than just speak, he became the living word of God. I, I love this moment. We're gonna jump back into the story, Ezekiel chapter 37. Here, here's kind of the rest of this moment. So remember, they're just bodies. They just, they're just existing. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as, I was, as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. 
And here, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to catch. Um, so it took something different, right? He just spoke word, and these bodies came together, and, and tendons and ligaments and muscle formed, and skin came over them. But then he had to command breath to enter into them for them to come truly alive. And this is a connection. What, what God is doing with Ezekiel is he's causing him to remember the creation moment. The creation account, as recorded in the book of Genesis, went something like this. God spoke, and the worlds came into existence. God spoke, and living animals came into being. God spoke, and the stars came into existence. God spoke, and plant life came into existence. But then what God did, the last part of his creation was he took dirt, and he formed it in the way that only God can, and formed it into a man. And then, it, and then Genesis says that God breathed his breath into man and he became a living being. What God was doing was God was making some unique differentiation between the life that is in a man and the life that is in an animal or a tree or another life, another creature. And that is that within human beings, there is a life-giving element to what we have. There is a spiritual life. There is an eternal life. It's that God has planted eternity into the heart of every man. And so what Ezekiel is doing is he speaks the word of God. This is the creation part of it. And, this, and these bodies come together, but they have no life of God in them. There's nothing eternal. There's nothing life giving. There's no, there's no life of God in them. And so what God says is he commands breath, the wind, the breath of God, to enter into them. And when the breath of God enters into them, they become a living beings, a vast army. And the picture is this. Over 500 years later, God would enter into our world. And the term that's used for Jesus is, it's as if he became the human embodiment of the breath of God. So that when Jesus died, he, he died not because he deserved to die or because he couldn't survive. He died in our place to take on our sin judgment, our sin guilt, our sin death sentence. So that when Jesus died, he died once for all. But he couldn't stay dead. He rose from the dead because the breath and life of God re-entered him and brought him back to life so that in his resurrection, he conquered the power of sin. He freed us from the grip of death and he liberated us from eternal judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of sin, guilt and shame removed, and God's spirit, which is eternal and invisible, comes into our spirit, that breath of life. Something different than just breathing breathing, right? So many of us are just breathing. We're, we're, we're alive. But when you believe in Jesus by faith, the breath of God re-enters you like at creation and like in this moment where there is the life of God, the eternal life of God, and now God's breath lives in us because God's spirit is alive in us. So we take on a new state of living, not just surviving, not just alive, not just going through the motions, not dead men walking, not zombies in a maze. Now we become fully and truly alive to the life that God intended us to live. And the point of this story, well, God explains it to Ezekiel. He says this, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. These bones represent an entire nation. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Maybe you feel like some things in your life have dried up. 
and your hope is gone and we are cut off. But he says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. And I wanna encourage you that you and I, what God was trying to do is get their attention to rediscover the breath of God. And I wanna challenge you to discover the breath of God in your life. That God doesn't want you just to be alive, just breathing, but a new state of living that comes only when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you begin to live with God's spirit, actively living in and through your spirit. Here's the thing. Uh, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of education, the smartest people uh, in science have tried to figure out ways where they create experiments to try to take inanimate molecules and if they put them under their perfect conditions, they're trying to create life. Maybe you've read about these things where the, the, it's an attempt to either you know, recreate uh, the origins of the universe or the origins of life. And the idea is pumping in a lot of money, a lot of resource, a lot of education. I mean, people are working on this to this day to try to figure out how to take inanimate molecules, inanimate and, and give them all the perfect ingredients. And then if they zap it just right, maybe it'll create a spontaneous uh, formation of life. And so far, no matter what they've done, they have not been able to turn inanimate things into living things. And it could be because the only way inanimate things live, the only way dead things live is through the life and breath of God. But even if they could do it, I've been thinking about this. Even if they could do it, you know all they would prove? That it takes intelligent life to create the perfect environment to create life. I was thinking, I was like, well, this is, that, that would prove my point even more. I hope it works. No, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, but I, I hope, but I hope you see the connection, right? Like it takes life to create life. And for you and I, God puts life in us because he wants our words, he wants our life to breathe life into others. And so the only way we're gonna get that is if we first develop the heart of God. When Ezekiel looked out and he saw dry bones, God said, can these bones live? And he was like, Lord, you know. <laughs> Meaning he couldn't see for himself what was possible by the power in the hand and the life and the love of God. And for you and I, when we look at dark situations and we look at desperate situations and we look at dead situations and we look at very dry situations, often we can go, there is no hope. We don't see what God sees. And so first we have to develop the heart of God. Lord, you know. I trust God that your heart is for people. Look, you wanna know what the heart of God is? God loves people. God loves you. God loves me. God loves people that hate him. God is for those that are against him and God pursues those that are running from him and God fights for those that are fighting against him. That's the heart of God. And so what God does is when he puts his breath and his spirit in us, he gives us his heart so that we begin to believe what God does. We begin to fight for those that are fighting against us. We begin to pursue those that are running from God. We begin to love those that are enemies of God. And so the first thing is that you and I need to develop the heart of God as we discover the breath of God, then we need to begin to see and speak 
what God sees and God speaks that we no longer look at a valley of dry bones and only see death. But we see the potential for a vast living army. And so maybe you, right now for you, you need to get the heart of God for your marriage. Maybe you need to get the heart of God for a friendship. Maybe you need to get the heart of God for your home or your children, for your church, for the church. Maybe you need to get the heart of God for our city or for your neighborhood, for the streets that we live in and begin to speak it and see it as if it already is. Now, when that happens, then we have a responsibility. So I have the heart of God, and then I begin to see and speak the heart of God, the breath of God. And then this, we need to share the life of God. I mean, it's not ours to hoard. We become the Paul Revere's riding in the night. But we're not shouting, the British are coming, death is coming. We're saying God is on the move. That's what Ezekiel was discovering, that the breath of God brings life and love. And if you begin to, he, he was responsible to prophesy it. I, I, want, I want you to catch this. I, I used to always think that the idea of prophecy, so I, know I, I was speaking what God spoke and false prophecy was just not. Like that's not what God was saying. But I've had moments in my life where someone spoke something to me and I realized that was a false prophecy. Listen to me. A false prophecy is the idea of speaking on behalf of an enemy. Speaking not just what God has not spoken, but the opposite of what God is speaking. It comes from an enemy and it's a lie. And it's driven by anger, hate, hurt, insecurity, and fear. And maybe there are people that have spoken a false word over your life. They were driven by fear. They were driven by anger. They were driven by abuse or hurt or hate or insecurity or doubt. And they spoke things over you that brought defeat and death and dryness. But when the word of God comes in our life, the word of God, what I mean very specifically is you're reading God's word as recorded in the Bible, God's sacred word, and then you spend time in prayer and you allow God's spirit to fuel your spirit. God's word brings life where there once was death. And so we need to get the word of God in our lives and see, the, see what God sees and say what God says. So be careful that you not only do not speak the words of the enemy, which are lies, but you prophesy, meaning you're speaking the word of God, which is truth. And it comes from a place of hope, of joy, and of love. That's the motivation of what we speak over individuals, when we speak over our children, our homes, our neighborhoods, our city streets, a city and a nation. And so how do we do that? Well, I'm not gonna make it too complicated. It's very clear in God's word. And so let's jump in right before Jesus left. So this is 570 years after this moment with Ezekiel, before Jesus leaves, he gathers his friends and followers together and he says this, but you will receive power the kind of power that speaks and dry bones live. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You have been subpoenaed by God's Spirit to stand in the courtroom of your community with God sitting and presiding as judge 
in a watching world is your jury. And you are brought by God before them to be a witness of the life and the love of God, which means God will give you his power, God's breath, God's life to speak hope, to speak love, to speak life over those that are right now just dead men walking. And so what do you speak? Well, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to like make this as simple and clear as possible. You're gonna give them good news. In a world filled with lots of bad news, I mean, just turn on the news, open up your news feed, and it's filled with all kinds of bad news. I'm gonna give you good news. The good news is this. God loves us. God created us perfect, but we rejected him. That's the one piece of really bad news. We rejected him, and as a result of that, sin sent us on a life course toward forever death. But God was unwilling to leave us on that life course. Okay, so hold on, because I want you to get this. God loves us, created us perfect. We messed it up by sin. But God came to earth to rescue us from sin by dying on a cross and he rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, he conquered sin, death, and eternal judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins and given new life. That's your good news. Now, I'm hoping that you will memorize that. Learn it, memorize it, and share it with anyone and everyone you can. And don't let anyone keep you quiet. In fact, some of those followers of Jesus that heard this, they went out and they were sharing the good news, and then they got arrested and told not to tell the good news anymore. And this was their response. Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him, God? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking of what we have seen and heard. Witnesses talk about what they have seen and heard. Your only responsibility is to share what you have seen and heard with people who have never seen and heard the life of God. And the one other thing, or other thing I wanna encourage you to do is share your story. Every one of you, if you know Jesus, then you have a life-changing story because we believe that life change happens when you encounter God. And so we wanna encourage you to share your story. What was your life like before you met God? How did you meet Jesus? And what is your life like now? And don't pretend, don't, you don't have to act like everything is perfect because life isn't perfect, is it? It's still a little bit messy. So be honest, but share your story. And then the last thing I want you to do is this, invite one person to come to church with you. Each one, reach one. We have a saying within LifeHouse, it's about the one and... All right, so those of you at our campuses, you're gonna join me right now, because live, this isn't, they're like bodies. <laughs> Sorry, no offense, all right. So here's the, right? The first saying we have is it's about the one and one more. So would you just me? It's about the one and... One more. All right, so what that means is tag, you're it. On your way out, every one of you, Online, you have it really easy because you just got to share this. Everybody else, you're going to get a physical invite card and you're going to make it your mission to invite one and bring one with you. All right, that's our responsibility to share the life of God. I, I love, uh, you know, it's just a pop culture song, but I, I like these lyrics. I feel like it captures this message. Come alive, come alive. Go and light your light. Let it burn so bright. Okay, right? Like I don't have to preach anymore. I'm not going to. I'm just going to read this and then. Reaching up to the sky and it's open wide, you're electrified. When the world becomes a fantasy, meaning it's more than you could imagine, right? It's more than you could ever be because you're dreaming with your eyes wide open. 
and you know you can't go back again to the world that you were living in because you were dreaming with your eyes wide open, so come alive. My challenge to you is this, would you come alive and let the life of God and the breath of God live in you and then begin to, as you discover the breath of God, would you breathe that, would you speak that, would you see that in the lives of those around you, become a life-bearing person. So here's I wanna challenge you right now. Each of our campuses, would you just close your eyes right now? Each of you right where you're at. This is your moment. Some of you, you can relate to what I share. You're alive, but not really living. Going through the motions, you're running through the maze. It's time to get off the rat race. And for you, that step means that you're ready to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're ready to believe in him, ask him to forgive you of your sins and allow his breath, his spirit to enter into your spirit. And if that's where you're at right now, again, here, each of our campuses, would you raise your hand high and say, yeah, that's me. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm ready to receive the life of God, to be forgiven of my sin and given that new life. For those of you that are raising your hands, I wanna take a moment and don't hesitate. Would you just put your hand up right now? Say, that's me. For those of you that are raising your hands, I wanna take a moment, I wanna pray over you right now. Jesus, thank you that you saw us when we were just very dry bones. But God, you didn't see death, you didn't see defeat, you didn't see dryness, you saw the potential for true life in every one of us. And so you came to die. But not just to die, but to defeat death through the power of your resurrection, to give us life. And so God, we receive that right now. And for God, for each one that's raised their hand, would they receive that? Would they receive forgiveness and new hope and new life? And God, for every one of us, help us to begin to discover your breath of life in us and give us the courage to begin to share that life with others by sharing your good news, by sharing our story, and by making it our mission to invite one and bring one with us the next time we come out to church. God, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your love and your life. And we say this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.